Hello there and welcome to the Meeple Perk podcast. Uh, my name is Drew and I am one of the two owners of Meeple Perk, Newcastle's first board game calf. Unfortunately, Ree is not joining in today's episode uh, due to some personal issues, but it doesn't matter because I've got a, a special guest star that we're going to be talking to today regarding today's topic. Um, I'd like to introduce everyone to Baz, our resident D&D for Kids GM, who's here to chat about GMing for Kids. Hello, Baz. Hi, Drew. How's it going? Uh, not bad. Busy, yes, as it is for all of us, I'm sure. Um, but on the whole, can't complain. How are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad. It's been uh, a long, busy week, but uh, yeah. Um, I'm doing all right. I've been looking forward to chatting to you regarding our subject today, which, as I sort of briefly mentioned, uh, this is um, discussing with you our resident D&D for Kids GM about running role-playing games for kids in the hopes that um, we could give some good advice for parents who are maybe looking for things to do with the kids or who may be interested in running things like D&D or other RPGs and don't know the first thing because maybe they're not like me and you, Baz, and have years of experience of role-playing games before trying to run for kids. Yeah, I don't really want to get into how many years, but I'm assuming that's where we're heading here. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll hop straight into it with our first question then uh, that we have for you, which is, uh, so how did you first get into role-playing and then in, in general into GMing? Um, I was, must have been about seven or eight, and I was losing interest in what I would regard as rather mediocre books, um, books that really had no connection whatsoever to me, because I liked reading a lot as a kid, and I was losing interest, so I ended up, my mum bought pile of choose your own adventure books and fight and fancy style books um i read them loved them next thing you know i was picking things up for like 50p from charity shops and stuff so a lot of these like really great old classic games that i got my hand on i got for basically pocket change and just got lucky uh got into gming because i had the books um that's <laughs> literally the the origin story of the vast majority of GMs in the old days is that that person bought some books, went to their friends who liked some similar stuff and went, I've got this game, do you want to play? And there we are. I mean, uh, to be fair, I think that's that's fair to say of today as well. It's always like, I've just got this new role-playing game. Who can I get to run it for? <laughs> um, no, you? Uh, it's it's a classic thing, you know. It's 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 one person's quite excited, and I think uh, weird thing about that is a lot of people will have a go, and then that's it. They've had a go, they're not interested. They move on. Um, you might have a go and feel that it's too much hassle for you to run a game and try and find someone else that runs it, or it might be that that kind of game doesn't suit you. So people sort of like drift in and drift out of groups and. We just happened to be very, very lucky that a lot of the people we were hanging around with kept playing and kept playing for years. So next thing you know, we had a, a good, solid, established group that lasted us right until the end of high school um, when we were starting at that early age. So that was really nice for us. We just struck lucky. Good. And you mentioned a lot of the Choose Your Own Adventure books there. I, I've got to ask, is there any particular favourites of yours? Uh, I've got to go with the fighting fantasy stuff. It's the Death Trap Dungeon, 
was phenomenal. It really gave me my love of the dungeon bash role play. I, I really need to pick up some of these fighting fantasy books because this is what I keep hearing. Yeah, uh, oh, they were classic at the time. There was, uh, I think it was Freeway Warrior, Highway Warrior. It's been so long since I've read it. Highway Warrior, I remember. It. Yeah, um, really enjoyed the just sheer ridiculous Mad Masks-esque style of it. And they, they were playing on genres that were happening at the time that as a kid I wasn't really coming across because I wasn't watching those films at that point. Um, but later on, when coming across films like that, I'm like, yes, this is definitely a genre for me. Cheesy action films set in the apocalypse, I'm in. Excellent. And um, I've just realised one, one question that I think that we really should should go back to for a second and get out of this, like, uh, discussing role-playing games for just a second. Um, but how do we know each other? I think this is a very good thing. Like, how how is it that you became our resident GM for Kids D&D? I think this is a story that I think you, you'd really be, be good at telling. Um, it's as simple as I like good coffee and cake, and there was a gaming cafe in town I'd heard about, so we just came down to have coffee and cake in a nice sort of nerd-friendly atmosphere uh, with my kids and my mum and eat cake eventually we're like we really like this place we have to play games here it eventually ended up being the hosting point for my son's birthday role play game with a bunch of other young people who hadn't played D&D before and then you were like I think we should do some kids D&D bars and I was like alright are you sure um, because Obviously, there's the the risk factor involved. Um, people are very precious about their children. Children are important, and all that. Um, so you are like, yeah, let's let's just go for it. So here we are. We've got a semi regular thing going on of a series of one shots, uh, generally during each of the school holidays, and it's a very everyone's welcome, open invite. You know. Yeah. Um, I do I do remember that first time you came to the cafe and you told us how um, uh, one of one of your kids um, was was a top rated uh, uh, review on was it TripAdvisor? TripAdvisor, he loves TripAdvisor. Yeah, yeah it's like he, he was des- <laughs> desperate to share it because he was so happy with your cake um, that he wanted to let you know that he was going to be sticking you straight down for five stars on yep. TripAdvisor because I think at the time he was in the top five percent locally. Um, which is a ridiculous thing for an eight-year-old. Oh, yeah, he going to be. Yeah, he'll have been about eight at that point, and he was very, very excited that he'd found another place he could see nice things about because he sees the purpose of TripAdvisor to be to see nice things so other people can find them. But I remember you telling me that, and then me going down and be to, to tell Ree about it, being like, "It's a kid upstairs who's one in the top five percent on TripAdvisor who's just given us a five star review," and Ree's being like, "Oh, yeah, he, he is. He is a very sweet little man, is Finbar. Um, but he likes being positive and kind and celebrating people's successes. It's it's who he is." He's one one of the reasons why he is uh, one one of the favourite customers around the calf. Not just because he says nice things, but he is um, uh, an absolute delight to have around the calf. That's very kind of you to say so. But uh, yeah, no, it was um, so. Yeah, like on on the the business side of things, when it came to doing kids D and D, and um, people kept asking us, like, "Are you ever going to run like uh, a game for kids or anything like that?" 
personally, I don't feel like I, I could run a game for kids. Um, I've tried it. I've had kids in D&D games at the CAF, and I just found it really difficult to, to, to do. So one of the reasons, one of the things I'm hoping to get from this podcast is maybe getting a bit more confident and a few bits of uh, hints and tips from, from the master. Um, and like, yeah, hopefully we can pass this on because I love that we can do this. And even with doing kids D&D at the CAF, we still get people like parents going like, I just don't know where to begin with this stuff. I don't know how to, to get started into this. And that's why we're going to have this conversation. And why, and why when we did the podcast, uh, we started doing a podcast and we wrote down our initial list of ideas. Because uh, me and Marie have a document that's just a list of ideas that we've got to talk about in the podcast that we hopefully at some point we had to. Um, but yeah, like one of the first, like when it came to like guests, um, I think you were the first name on there before Lynn or any of the, uh, I say any of the other names. I think it's you and Lynn are the list of names for special That's guests. That's quite frightening, right now. yeah. Very yeah. frightening. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, hopping back into into the conversation then, uh, now we've got you properly introduced. Uh, apologies for, for doing that slightly out of order. Uh, not just to you, but also to the listeners. Um so yeah, um, when you started playing, uh, you you mentioned that obviously you you found a lot of these great old school games. What what games were your like your initial games? Uh, we tried some of the early D and D. We tried games I can't remember the name of, but the one that really stuck with us was Dragon Warriors. Um, it's a fantastic D twenty system. It's a reversal of what you used to for D and D. It's ruling law is what you want if you're playing Dragon Warriors, which you've probably got a lot of friends who'd appreciate that as a system. We loved it. We played that system to death until all the little books fell apart. And we couldn't get all of them either. This was before we had the internet. It was a matter of me trawling around secondhand shops, trying to find the books, not the library, couldn't get the ones I was missing. Now, the great news is if you are excited about the fact that there's this game that addicted me as a small child and was a, a simplified but beautiful um, Arthurian variant of a sort of a Dungeons & Dragons D20 style game, it's now available easily on drive Through RPG with the updated and tidied up sort of super tightened Elite Ultimate Edition, if you will. Um, and I still swear it's one of the greatest games I've ever played. I mean, you've just interested me in that because the roll under system, uh, there's a game called Symbarum, a uh, Swedish design game that I really like that does roll under. And I thought that was one of the first ones. But apparently, no, this is an old idea. It's very, very old. And the guy yeah. who wrote it, he's still really active on the RPG forums. He's constantly sharing advice to up-and-coming authors, sharing his writing ideas. He's an absolute legend. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Right then, so right into the topic then with the, the, the important question, which is how did you start running games for kids? I'm a teacher. Um, that's my primary occupation. I did my teacher training year about 2004 and I wanted to do some sort of extracurricular club because I genuinely believe school has to be more than just the bit that happens in the classroom. There has to be the enrichment. There has to be things that allow young people to expand their interests and learn and try different things. 
So in my teacher training practice, I ran Dungeons and Dragons um, for a small group who continued to play after I left that school for years, many years. Um, I bumped into a friend of one of theirs a few years back, which is how I found out they were still alive well and playing role play games because of this random club that I set up on a placement at a school in 2004. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And yeah, like doing it for the school, that's, that's really cool. I remember, um, sorry, I remember like it was ages ago last year. Uh, I went, I got invited to go and help a school. They were doing like a game design thing when they had, uh, um, I had kids away from the school, and I can't remember the reason why now, but it was just for the, the kids. It was probably the kids in year eight and kids in year 10 before they were doing their GCSEs and their SATs um, were, were in, and they were doing, like, a week's activities of, like, not school things, and they did offer a game design thing to do. And it was great, and they asked if I if the Meeple Perk guys could help out, if we could come down and, and help out of it at all, and we jumped at the chance to, to help out with it. But there was this one kid who was there who made this massive game and he had this whole idea and everything like that. And you could just see that when he tried to talk to the teachers about it, it kind of went over the teachers. You know, they had no idea what what this kid was on about or if, if anything this was like this. And then um, I sat there and was telling like the the um, the teachers afterwards and going like, he's designed like three games and two expansions in like this. That's amazing. It's unfortunate it was all a bit over the place, but yeah, like having a creative outlet like that really is going to help kids. I, I think role playing is great for kids for a, a number of reasons. I, the creative outlet's the obvious one. Let's let's be fair. Yeah, but there's huge benefits to be had for literacy. Um, they read more, they think more, they have to use their oracy, their spoken word carefully to express exactly what they want to achieve. There's the numeracy factors of being quick at maths. Um, although the systems aren't getting you to do ridiculously complex equations, you are doing mental arithmetic quickly when you are playing these games. So it makes them more familiar with doing numbers fast, which can only benefit their ability to perform when doing more complicated maths. It's that processing speed that they're enhancing. There's also the sociability factor, turn-taking, knowing what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. There's a lot of learning to be done on that, and it's a safe space to practice and explore the whole, um, what's the right way to put it, social acceptability factors um, without it being in normal conversation. Oh, my character does this, my character does that. Whereas it might be things you can or can't do within real life. And it, it also lets them to explore ideas like being the hero, being different characters, developing concepts of empathy and understanding towards others. So it's it's got a lot going on beyond telling stories and having fun from an educational perspective. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree with all of that more. Um, th those are great. And yeah, I, I would easily say any role-playing game really has all of the, yeah. What you said makes sense and is clever. There's studies into it. I'm I'm not the clever man. I'm the man who read all <laughs> the stuff. 
I'm going to be honest on that. Cool. Right then. Um, so, um, personal, personally, I wanted to know, uh, what do you find is uh, the big difference in running games for kids as opposed to running with adults? Because you, you, I know you run games for, for adults as well. It's not just kids. What are the big key differences between the two? The first one is language use, but that's all right for me. I can cope with not swearing in front of children conceptually. Some people do struggle. They have to be kept in line. Yeah. The themes that you can explore are PG rather than 18, which limits certain systems you can use. It limits certain storylines you can explore. You've got to pick it appropriate to the age level you're targeting. Apart from those two things, the other key is not overly complicating your plot lines. Let them explore, let them have the freedom and let them use their creativity. Um, young people as players tend to really surprise you a lot if you give them the space to do it, whereas if you make it too complicated, they get bound up in that complexity and stop doing the exploration and the creativity. So I strongly recommend that. It's the same sort of approach I would take to a beginner's group, though, of adults. I would keep with that simplistic, not binding them too much with plot structure and giving them that freedom for beginners, just the same as I would young people. Other than that, I think the two are very much the same. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn from them. That's fine. But I think people worry more when it's kids. Like if you make a mistake with your friends, well, they're your mates. You've got that inbuilt relationship where you feel you can buffer back from that, which I think gives people more confidence in running games for adults. You can also get away with making cheeky and rude remarks with adults to sort of fill the gap or add some gore or add an inappropriate comment that makes everybody laugh, which diverts away if the plot's lacking or if the story gets stunned, whereas with a kid's game, you can't do that to the same effect. You might be able to chuck in a poo joke if you've got the right crowd of kids, you know, like, why does the baker have brown hands? Because he needed a poo. But... <laughs> you, made me laugh. You can't go to the same sort of horror level that with a group of friends that you've known for over 20 years. And yeah. I'm, I'm role-playing with my main groups, um... Most of these are people I've known since my early teens. One player I've known since we were both five. And I'm 40. So that's a pretty established relationship. And you can buy into that. You can't with the kids' games. But that's fine. If you were starting a new game with a new group of people, you'd have the same difficulties and the same weirdness. So if one of your kids is a bit interested and you're a little bit into role play, they're actually a really great safe space to start being a DM or a GM because their experience and knowledge of what's excellent isn't there. They've not experienced that. You can learn the game together, which is the same advice I would give to a GM who's just beginning with others. Start with small numbers and understand that it's okay that you're going to make mistakes while you're learning the ropes. Nobody goes into any skill, profession, anything as an expert from day one. If they believe they are, they're probably just lying to themselves. I mean, yeah, that is like, um, <clears throat> you've hit the nail on the head in two respects there that I, I can agree with, which is one is obviously that, yeah, that's the, the best piece of advice to give to anyone. 
um, looking to start playing role-playing games is usually that's the question I get asked at the cafe. It's like, oh, what once if I get the rules wrong? And I'm like, you, you can't. You are the person who does all of the rules. Um, you know, if, if there's a rule that you forget, just figure out how you're going to run it and, and go with it. Um, so, yeah, like you don't need to know every, the entire D&D handbook to, to run a game of D&D. And even if you got one tiny thing wrong, I don't think you're going to stop anyone's fun or enjoyment of that as long as you're telling like a good story. It's all about the story. Yeah, 100 um, percent. And yeah, secondly, I think you also hit the nail on the head on why I I personally don't feel that I could run a game for kids. Um my, a lot of my like, you know, I know I can turn to a bunch of adults and be like, oh, two seconds, I need to just go check this thing, or ah, oh, you know, um, what's the best way of resolving this for me, or something like that. I can do those kinds of things, or I can do those like jokes to fill in a, a blank space while I'm trying to come up with the next thing. Knowing yes. that it's going to be appropriate and the adults are going to get that. Whereas, in, you know, I know kids might not get my humor or kids might not get my thing. Um, and having that patience to make sure that I'm not saying anything inappropriate or, or, or that my themes are inappropriate, potentially. But anyway. Um, Sarah from Discord. Uh, wanted, usually we save all the Discord questions to the end, but this was such an important one that we, we had to get it in here early. What age is the youngest you've been able to successfully run RPGs with? And are there any particular systems that work well with kids? You're going to be horrified for I've successfully run role play for a four-year-old. Um, the key is I kept it comedy rules light. So we, we went uh, Paw Patrol because he loves it. We played out a familiar story from the TV show where there's a baby octopus and it gets separated from its parent. And what we did is this happens, set the scene. What do you do? Uh, my youngest son, Killian, said what he wanted to do. I said, let's roll the dice and see how well you do. If he rolls high, he does exactly what he wants with bells on. If he rolls really low, he kind of fumbles around and we've got to solve the problem of, oh, what do we do next to solve that problem? So he didn't have hit points. His character wasn't going to die. Nobody's going to see Marshall drown in the sea as an octopus rips him limb from limb. Um, it's very much just playing out a familiar story with some dice rules in it. He, he's got his own set of uh, metal D20s because he doesn't want to be left out as any younger sibling would be. And he gets to rule them and he works out what the biggest number is. And we just tell the story based around some numbers. His brother played along with him, so we had a small party and small numbers, small time scale, keep it a half an hour, tell stories from TV shows they like and just say, rule high, you've done it really well. Rule low, you've done it badly. Add a bit of description. Um, so it was a very simplistic approach to answer the sort of, how do you do it for a four-year-old after I've declared you can do it for a four-year-old? I'm not recommending getting a team of eight four-year-olds in a room. Um, that would probably just make anybody cry. The What games do I recommend for young people? Uh, Dragon Warrior, as I mentioned earlier, it's a similar enough D20 system that when people want to go for the big name franchise of D&D, &D, they've got familiarity with certain styles of things, even though it is different. But it's also a great game with a great setting, especially for any of your UK listeners, because it's got that 
deeply entrenched mythos of Arthurian Britain woven into the style of the monsters and the adventures within it. So it's got a, a very beautiful cultural feeling that links with how you would describe a castle you would see in Britain, how you would describe the Moors. It, it has a feeling of where we are in the world physically. Um, I would also really recommend the prose descriptive quality rule system because you can drop it onto literally anything. It's a very simple couple of d6 system you add some numbers to it you pick a couple of skills that are a plus two four or six you've got some points to spend it's it's dead easy and you can run any story with that it's the mechanical engine used behind ninja burger which i know you've got in the calf that people can come and have a sort of a look through and play with but you can get the full set of those rules for free you can get dragon warriors for free because it's pay what you want so have a look download it you like it Chuck the man a couple of quid. The best one I would personally recommend would be uh, Peter Frayne's Movie Night. It's a lovely short booklet of rules and setting. It sets out how to intentionally run a game for children. It comes over a three-act system of set it up, things happen, final encounter, it gives examples. It's got a really nice rules light system. It's cleanly written, very, very clear. And within an hour, you could have read it and got characters made and be running a game for your kids. He designed it to run for his own child. So the entire system has been designed for simplicity and running games for kids, whereas the others are great, simplistic, accessible games that can be used with young people. That one sole intention was to be used for young people, but I think it's a great game for adults too, to be fair. I think he's also got a fantasy one coming out soon, uh, Movie Night Fantasy, I think is the title. Um, I'm looking forward to picking that up. No, but, yeah, I'll... I'll just quickly hop in and, and just say that, yeah, no, it is a fantastic little book. And because I know a lot of our listeners are, are local to the area and like supporting local um, creators and such, Peter uh, is a local uh, creator. He does work in a local geeky establishment that uh, I'm just going to avoid mentioning the name of, but there's not that many. You'll be able to figure out which one it is. Rather are simply. you forbidden from mentioning the names? Of I am. I, I am. Oh, I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm forbidden from mentioning the name of certain places. Uh, you know, places on this planet. Um, they're not certainly not forbidden from mentioning it. I think I could say it. I just think I'd rather avoid it, just in case there are any troubles. If I was to mention those things, that's fair enough. You've got to. Yeah, but I think a certain level of impartiality. Thank you for making sure that we, we did somewhat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Peter is a local creator. Go check out his game. Um, I, in saying that as well, um, I must I must point out, I did get a copy of the game for free. Um, uh, Peter did pass me a copy of it. Um, so I, I my, uh, my, my, my glowing review of it there, I do know that it was a paid, paid review technically, even though it's not what he asked me to do really. I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to mention and make sure it was, it was pointed that out. Um, but yeah, go check out Movie Night. It is really good, and it is written in that style of being able to do any movie, TV show, or anything, and it's super simple system. 
and it's free right now on Drive Through RPG as well, which is great. It's the pay what you want. So if yes. if things are a little bit tight because you're trapped in the house and you've not got as much cash coming in as normal, you can get that game without paying for it. Um, whereas if you do have your wonderful wages coming in, do feel free to financially support a creative type. And if you can, uh, do get the book because the book, like I have a physical copy of the book and it is a really nice print in that Drive Through do. Um, of of that book, so uh, well worth like the extra to, quid. Yeah, I would I would like to recommend a game I haven't played or read yet, which sounds insane because so many people have recommended it to me. Um, Tiny Supers. Yes, it's meant to be a phenomenal game. A simple rule system, great for kids, and it's a superhero game. And we all know that culturally, superheroes are really really big right now. So I would sight unseen recommend it just because my friends who have recommended it, I hold in such high esteem. Um, yeah, it's a, I, I picked this one up myself because uh, I'm always on the search for a good superhero role-playing game. Um, I started looking at this one, and yeah, it is very much uh, made to run really easily and for kids. And that was not, not necessarily like it is a game dumped down for kids or anything like that. Don't take that against it. It is a great game by itself. It's got a lot of good things for it. Uh, I'm just waiting on one other superhero game being released before I decide which one I'm going to actually try and run a game for. And and if it's not the one I'm waiting on, then uh, Tiny Super is what I'll use to run it. I've got to be honest, it's not necessarily the dumbing down or the simplifying rules. It's just something that's really accessible. I think a lot of the games I would recommend for young people, you know, your eight-year-old plus who can actually start looking at the books because their literacy is developing at that point, are the same games that I would wholeheartedly recommend for beginners for exactly the same reason or people that don't like rules heavy systems and there are people who are real veteran role players who don't like rules heavy systems there are people who've been playing that i know for decades that have never read a rule book because that's not their bag they like to turn up and tell stories and roll dice so if you've got players like that rules like systems are solid gold yeah, because uh, one of the big questions when it comes into the cafe is like, oh, I don't get how you get into D&D and learn all of the rules for D&D. And it's the one thing that baffles me where everyone thinks Dungeons and Dragons is super, uh, super accessible. Like, yes, the fifth edition rules are the most accessible version of the rules that have ever been created. As far as I'm aware, I've not read all of them, so don't quote me on this. But that they still still not really accessible. And there are games out there, such as all of the ones that you've mentioned and recommended, and I've backed up two of them. Um, they are definitely accessible. And I only say, like, I don't want them done down, like, the, it's not done down for kids or anything like that, just because I know there are people here, like, it's suitable for kids. I'm not interested. Oh, absolutely. Um, I can see I've read all but one edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we don't talk about 4th edition, but I can honestly say the 5th edition rules are much more accessible, much more playable. The modifier system of the advantage and disadvantage massively won me round. I had no intention of buying another edition of D&D originally um, after 3.5 because 4th came out and it disinterested me. Um, but one of my friends who wasn't a role player at the time was desperate to try out D&D so uh, just before last summer we got a copy of the free pack you can get had a read yeah. of that really really liked it 
and built built a world for him to play in. Um, put a party together and off we went. And now I'd say D&D's probably become the main game I run, not because it's my favourite game, and it is a great game, just because people do love that familiar brand. 100%. Like I, 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 it, it is a brand that's out there and everyone knows it, and a lot of people do associate RPGs and D&D as like the same thing that they are. Like all role playing games of D and D is what their viewpoint is, and it's not. Um, you do mention the free rules there for D and D. I'll drop the link to it in the show notes. But yes, if you are out there and your kids are saying, "I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons," and I want to get into it, and you don't know where to go, and you look it up, um, the first place to go to is go check out the free rule. The free rules. It will have everything you need to run, and I think you get them included in like the starter packs. Uh, or a version of them in the starter packs as well, like the, the actual starter set that they produce and the essential rules. Um, but go check out the free rules. You don't have to go and spend £30 on a book to run this game at all. But yeah, go go check them out. Make sure it's something you want to see. If not, go check out one of the games that, um, that Baz has just recommended here because there, there's some good stuff there that are a lot easier to run. Oh, absolutely. There's there's a lot less hard work put into running a lot of games other than D&D, but it does still have a certain special factor to it. And I, I've got to admit, there's nostalgia for me, even when I'm running the new edition. I do add little things and quirky occasions from previous things that I've played um, from the earlier editions. And it, it's got a special place, even though it's not the only role-playing game in town. It has a real benefit as well for people who might move to one area or another. So if someone's playing D&D in high school, goes off to university, they're going to find a D&D group at the university they go to. If you've moved town and you're all players, you're going to find a D&D group. The, the size of D&D means that it's a, a much more diverse and accessible community. And the volume of people playing it means it's a lot easier to get into a game, get playing. The Adventurers League is something you can go to if you've not got somewhere like a Meeple Perk in your local area. Um, there will be somewhere running Adventurers League, which means there's set games by Wizards of the Coast that you can get involved with. But if you want that sort of bespoke, personalised experience with the little bit extra, that's that's what I love about Meeple Perk, to be fair. Yeah. I, don't, like, <clears throat> I mean, that's why we, 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 at the cap, we tend to try and run games that aren't just D&D, because there are other places that you can go and do that. And I'm not saying we do run D&D. We do run a couple of regular D&D games. They do exist. I'm not saying D&D is bad from the cap or anything, but we tend to try and run a bit of everything and show off some of these other games because D&D already has a lot of focus on it. And I love it when people come back and say, like, oh, I got to play in your game with this, and oh, I got to try this thing out, and, you know, I went and bought it, and ah, it's just great to hear that. Oh, it's fantastic, and it's, it's nice to find it. You always end up, if you get into the hobby deep, you'll always look for new systems and new games to explore, and it's nice if amongst your group of friends, once you've got an established group, you can play around with different things as well. Yeah, so... Um, to bring it back to the topic at hand, which is um, since you've been running kids D and D for us, how have you how have you found doing that for us? How have you? What has your experience been like? 
what what has been doing that been like for you Vaz? It's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed meeting new creative young people because in my previous kids' games, it's always young people I've had a certain familiarity with, whether it's at work or whether it's uh, Finbar's friends. You know a little bit about who's coming to the game. Um, and one of the young people from the games in the CAF is now playing in a weekly game with Finbar and a couple of his school friends over WhatsApp video chat. Um, our wild mount campaign and that's that's going really well so finbar's made a good long-term friend out of the fact that we went along to the games at meeple perk and i think that's really nice because it's good for young people to meet other people with similar hobbies um and it's always nice to hear new and creative ideas from these young people and with the variation of players that's been great fun and everyone we've come across so far has been really really nice great attitude played well um so it's it's been a lot of fun for me i think the the fa- thing i found hardest though is has been this moment online it's been very bizarre trying to create the same sort of atmosphere for games and i'm not just talking about the kids games it's it's same for the adults games i run as well and I, I don't feel that I'm putting out the same level of service um, because I think of it like you're trying as a, a DM to be the director of, of the film and you're trying to make sure that people are enjoying themselves. And it's very hard to pick up on a lot of the cues and keep the action moving smoothly when it's not yes. in person. And I'm, I've found that very challenging as you know we've tried a couple of different formats to get that working a bit smoother and i think our current um text chat one that we're currently running um because it's a two-part are set in the frozen realms of the north of the wild mount continent um is running a lot smoother than the voice chat one because we had a little bit of difficulty over discord and I think that's solved a lot of our problems. So that's been an interesting learning experience, moving the games online. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one um, absolutely warms my heart. My heart grew three sizes this day when you when you mentioned about um, Finbar making new friends through doing this. Uh, lovely to hear that. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's he's lovely. He's, he's enjoyed meeting everyone he's played with. He gets excited when he hears the names of people we played with before are going to be at games again, and it's it's been a massive bonus for him. That is absolutely lovely, and it's been well worth doing this this episode of this podcast and getting you on just just to hear that. But um, yeah, running the games online that is uh, that is a subject that we could we could easily do an entire episode of the podcast on. So I'll, I'll try and tap my words, but it is difficult. I I had experience in do. I mean, I think me and Hannah did do a, a quick thing regarding it for instead of doing a GM workshop, we we did the bonus episode that was our second episode. But I think maybe we'll we have to revisit it. But um, yeah, it, it is a difficulty to run games online uh, as opposed to around the table in person. Like, I find that a lot easier to run around the table in person. And I know I've come away from some of the games I've run online. Kind of, I don't think that went well to then have the players go, that's a really good game. I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, did, did you? It's hard to tell. And that's, that's because you don't get those cues. Um, but I've, I've bizarrely managed to run 20 odd games online 
since lockdown began of I think about six or seven different systems. So I'm I'm starting to get the hang of it um, just. I I've been running a lot of games online for on the Beeple Perk server, and I've been running a, a new campaign for friends. I can't I can't even begin to figure out how many systems I've looked at slash actually played. Um, but yeah, it is. And a quite, I don't think it's one I would do. I don't think it's one I would do given the option. And at the moment, I don't have the option, so I will do everything I can to run online and hope my games are still running okay and that people are enjoying them. It's the best of a bad situation. I think the people on the other end also know that you're doing the absolute best to try and create an entity and an experience for them, but it's never going to be the same as that human contact you get. So it's about giving the next best thing. Yeah, and I think that when you mentioned like the the running a game uh, uh, on a text basis on on online for the kids, I think that does also help out with a, a lot of the technical issues that you get. You won't have as much of that because you're not having to worry about like are they connected? Do they have the microphone plugged in? Is you know are they uh, doing push to speak? And obviously, when it's a kid, it's a lot harder to sort those issues out. It um, went surprisingly smoothly when we moved over to the text chat. It was a yeah. really, really nice game, and I was very, very happy about that. And it's a, it's a lovely, lovely group of people we're playing with as well, so that was a lot of fun. Excellent. Right, okay then. So what is the best piece of advice you have for running games for kids? It's going to go wrong. And that's <laughs> okay. Um, it really is. It's a learning experience. Things won't go smoothly all the time. And it's exactly the same advice I'd be giving to anybody as a beginner GM. Remember, even if you are an experienced GM, when you start running it for kids, because it's a different comfort zone, it's like starting from scratch in some ways. And just relax into it. Know that you'll make mistakes and just laugh them off. The other bit is the back to that creativity thing. Let them try crazy stuff. They will come up with all sorts of mad ideas. And you go, yeah, tell you what. Go for it. Roll some dice. We'll see what happens. If you roll high, great. If you roll low, we'll laugh at how your character plunges to its death from a flying airship because, remember, they are just characters, not real people. Yeah, and and also bear in mind that, like, you know, you can revert back to that just very simple, like, if this dice roll goes high, it works. If it it doesn't go high, it, it fails. You don't have to stick stringently to the rules if it's for the sake of the kid having fun in the game. Exactly. The, the rules are there to support a system of storytelling that isn't just us being around a campfire. That's what makes it a game rather than just a storytelling experience. But the dice are there to help tell the story, not to control it. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's... a. Fantastic. It's not what I was expecting to you to say, but you wrapped it up quite nicely. Um, what is the best thing you've learned when? Uh, uh, what is the best thing you've learned about running games for kids? They can absolutely confound you. I find them more difficult to manage because of their problem-solving ability. Because they're not bound up in the rules. They're not bound up in standard expectations of role players. You've got to think on your feet more when you're dealing with kid players, which means you either have to go with them or try and grind them to a miserable halt and crush their creativity. And I think that's an easy choice. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I know from talking to you after in in sort of your your after you've ran some games for the kids in the cafe and, and hearing about some of the um, problem solving skills that the the kids have had. It's fantastic. It's been, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, are there any absolute things to avoid when running for kids other than the obvious no swearing, yada yada yada? I think it's not so much the avoidance, but remembering to PG it and remembering to make sure you get people involved. If it's over a long campaign, my normal technique is different characters and different players can have the spotlight on them at different times. It means that some weeks it's not your week, you're the supporting character, and and people get that. But if you've got a one-shot or it's the first time you're running it for kids make sure that you take an opportunity for a special moment for every player. And if someone has that spark, chase it. And if there's a player who hasn't had their moment and you realise the clock's ticking down, pull them in and push them right to the forefront of the action and, and get them right in there doing something. It's, it's the getting them involved and making sure that they have a chance to shine in the game because... As adults, there are some players who will happily just sit back, watch the show, roll the dice for combat, and just enjoy the storytelling experience. But for the kids, you've got to at least make sure they've had that opportunity to participate. And like I say, with the first game ever, or with one shot, you've really got to try and pull everybody in quick. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it is one that is is just listed as a, a great piece of role playing advice in itself, not just for kids. It's making sure everyone has a chance to shine. But yeah, especially when you've got kids around a table, you need to make sure that they're they're keeping interested in the game by shining a spotlight. And what are you doing? Very simple things like that will go a long way for a kid. The hard part is this brings us back to the online. There's obviously the turn taking aspect and and managing that to make sure that someone's turn doesn't get interrupted do the same as when you're dealing with the adults be blunt to say oh just a minute um such and such is getting on with reiterate what's happening and and pull that action back now i generally and you've played with me drew don't tend to be overly direct and forceful often but sometimes you have to just go a little bit assertive make sure everyone is getting that turn because that can be interrupted or knocked off quite quickly in a game. And easily as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, what is your prep like? Uh, prep work like when you run games for kids? Uh, do you put a lot of prep in to make sure that every kid is going to have a chance to shine or do you keep it more light? I keep it quite light. I'll have names of places and locations. I tend to think about sets like a movie of where things are going to happen. So how I'm going to describe a certain location or monster or occurrence. I'll have a starting scene and I'll have the end scene. And then I'll have a selection of middle ones and not all of them get used. Um, It'll depend where things go. So I'd say probably about 60 or 70% of what I write is guaranteed to go in the bin before I even sit at the table to play just because it can't all be used. But if you get a lead from the players that are liking a certain scene or a certain thing, you can pursue that if you've got a selection of possible middle of the story act two portions. So that's generally how I do it. I write a selection of very brief, we're talking 
50 word scenes and go from there. Do you, does your prep work change when you run for kids or do you, is that how roughly how you do things for adults as well? Um, for my, what well, my biggest adult game that I've put a lot of prep into recently has been the Game of Thrones campaign that we play. Um, that is a series of flow charts and bullet point lists. So there'll be, the scene will literally be a bullet point and I'll yeah. do a lot more on the fly with that bullet point um, because I know what it means in my head. But there's basically an A3 sheet of random things that'll happen while they're going about the place and drop appropriate ones in at appropriate times, as well as a flow chart of boxes for key core scenes that drive the plot forward. And some of them they're never, ever going to get to, and that's okay. That happens while their characters aren't there. Um, so prep, similar time, but different stylistically. Fair enough. It's just a little bit curious there on that one. So... Um... I was also really interested to know, have you ever ran a game that you originally had planned or had run for kids that you then also later ran for adults? Um, how did it go? And did you do anything different between the two games? And uh, who played it better? Um, I don't tend to repeat games. <sighs> it's a very, very rare thing. I've got one that I'm planning to repeat because a few people heard about the concept, the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, Chambers Dungeon game um, yeah. a few other people who are quite into hip hop music and Dungeon Crawls were like we'd like to play that too so I've agreed to run that for multiple groups but other than that the story gets told once it's never revisited it's gone it's a unique experience that's interesting. I don't know why I like, was so shocked to hear that, because I'm pretty much the same. Like, I have a couple of games I've ran a couple of times, but it's usually like I've got like, like, for example, I've got my my Paranoia game. Uh, and it is the game that I always run for Paranoia because it's just a very simple and it's one that I can just pull out of the bag and run if I need to. Yeah, it's, I, I don't cross the same bridge twice when it comes to stories. I have oh, so many ideas because I, I'm quite prolific like that. So... You know, if you said go away and come up with a list of ten stories for tomorrow, I can do that for. Um, no, I know that. Then I've got, well, yes, obviously. Um, then I've got the point of well, I'm not going to run nine of those. And so next time I'm doing something, I'll have another list of ideas that are never ever going to see the light of day. Sometimes I'll even write a whole um, skeleton of a role play system and chuck it in the trash just to play around with concepts. Um, so because of that sort of prolific production of material, I don't tend to go twice. Yeah, I was, I just, I'll just with that, just uh, point out how I know Baz is like this, and it's very much is because Baz is pretty much the only GM that I've ever spoken to who I went, Could you run something for me at the CAF? And not only has he said yes, jumps on it immediately, and obviously he's doing something for the kids, but. Before it was it, it was before you even ran the first game of no, you just ran the first game of of kids D and D. It was a couple of days after that I got a message which was, and here are the next nine ideas for the next nine sessions. When we haven't even discussed at this point, 
if we were going to redo like we were going to visit it again other than like it seemed to go well i'm sure we can do something i think from that baz went away and, and had about nine games i think he's only ran two of them if i think if i'm remembering correctly like yeah we've we had uh, a couple of games before the lockdown and we wanted to celebrate the release of the Wildbound book. I know there's a lot of big critical rule fan, um, fans in the community um, and I thought it would be a lovely thing to let some of the kids play around in that iconic setting. So we've, I've went for running the starter adventures out of the Wildbound and we've got three of the four done, two with the calf and one with the online game Finbar has with his friends from school. Which is, you know, it's insane because I have, but I know GMs who run at the calf and, and, you know, when I go like, oh, could you run like a D&D for beginners? It is, it takes a lot for me to get from them like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to do that and I've got my one idea. And when it's like, I have a GM who's out there who's running games for kids, which is amazing and is like, I'm so happy that you were able to do this and, and have ran this. But to, to then send over to me when I've always said, it's like, I'm sure we can run something again. And it was not a case of like we were not wanting to run the, the kids D&D game. We were just busy at the time. Uh, it's, it's the case with the cat. Um, we were just busy at the time and we just needed to be like, right, yes, no, we definitely, definitely want to do it again. We can do it at these dates. And Baz is sending me nine more games that he can run. Um, and and that's that's at the moment when I knew that we'd, we'd definitely done good in getting Baz in uh, to run these games. I have the main qualification needed for a kid's DM. I'm willing to do it. There's not a lot of us, strangely. Most kids would... are having games run badly by their peers, which is fine because they're learning how yeah. to play the games. I was running games appallingly when I was learning systems when I was a kid. That's that's how you learn. Um, yes. And that's fine and that's great and that's part of the whole growing up and learning the game if you're into it as kids. But it is also nice to have someone familiar with the rules, leading them through how to play these games, meeting new people and eating phenomenal cake. But it's, I mean, even beyond that, being able to do something, you know, for the kids who don't know, like, don't know an adult who who is into these, or their parents don't know the first thing, uh, you know, what's a D20, you know, have no idea what they're doing. It's great to even just, like, allow them the opportunity to play these games and know that they're doing it. And we have, there's, um, you know, you'll know who I'm on about, but there's a group of three kids who come in. Uh, to the calf to do kids D&D. I think they've made both of the games that you've ran in because you've ran two in the calf so far, haven't you? Um, I, you see, because I've also two ran birthday games, I get confused. Um, and I, think... I, I think there was the... We did the, the Die Hard game and we managed to get the Indiana Jones-style game. I think they were the two that we actually yeah. managed to get running in the calf before things went Oh. And they've, they've been down to both games and they run games themselves, but their parents have no idea like how to play the game. And it was the wonderful moment. And I'll remember this for the rest of my life because it was brilliant, uh, honestly brilliant, where the kids came down and it was like, oh, have you had a good time playing? Was that, you know, did you enjoy it? Like, yeah, it was great. Oh, man, I really wish we had a better GM at home. And then the, like the, the one of them who does run it at home was just like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm still learning. <laughs> And that's the that's the mad thing that they're very lucky to have someone 
willing to run a game for them at yeah, any yeah. level. And of course, they're still learning. Like I say, I, I was appalling. And when I'm learning a new system, I also know that I'm incredibly clunky. Um, and you do get new systems. I'm still a little bit off with the rules for Alien, for example. I'm getting used to it by playing a game with two players, playing a game with four players. My next game, I'm going to be running with six players. So I'm keeping the numbers low while I'm building up my confidence and knowledge of the actual rules system. But I'm lucky enough to have a wealth of other experience to pile in there to fake the story when the dice um, are the confusing part. Yeah. And then, like, you know, it's just... It, it running like the best way, the best advice for how do I run a game is run the game. That's it. Like, just do it. Um, you know, we have customers who even come into who want to run games for their friends who are just like, I don't know how how do I run D and D? How do I do this? And it's just like, just go do it. Like, you don't have to get the rules one hundred percent right. Like, that is the big thing that I hope a lot of people will take away from this our conversation today. Um, speaking of which. Um, when you run D&D uh, specifically for the kids, do you do anything in particular to streamline the game to make it a little bit easier to run with the kids in mind? Or do you do your best to stick to the rules? Um, predominantly sticking to the rules. We're lazy with um, how many of your spells have you memorized today um, and that kind of thing. And what's your encumbrance? Are you carrying the right number of grams of equipment for your character's strength level kind of stuff? You just sort of ignore things that stop the game flowing um what's in my pack you've got adventuring kit we'll assume you've got the basic stuff you need fancy stuff you buy you get along the adventure the basic stuff do i have a rope as well frankly if you are adventuring without a rope, you'd probably be dead already because you're gonna have to climb things or tie things up you know there's a lot of uses for a rope so i kind of go more for an assumption of we just keep the basics running smoothly so we're not too far off the main rules, but we don't get uptight. That's good. That's good. Um, and yeah, like, I don't think, I don't think you really have to, to streamline the rules too much. I think you just have to take into account that, like, you know, this is a kid. I, I, they're going to want to do things. I think it's it's also remembrance. Take the time and patience to be pointing things out, and they're, they're gonna go. Oh, what do I roll for that again? And you may have to tell them a lot of times. That's okay. You do that with beginners, beginners games anyway. You just have to remember that if you're trying to be inclusive and welcoming new people into the hobby that you've got passion for, be patient. Expect them to ask the same questions over again because at some point that was you you were that person much like being patient with learner drivers when we're on the road oh the learner drivers going slowly i wasn't going at top speed when i was learning i will have as a learner at something been appalling and that's kind of how it is you know you give them the time you teach them how to do it you answer the questions and eventually the, the ultimate goal for me when it comes to kids games it's that franchise concept. You're skilling them up to go and do it themselves. The ultimate goal for any kids game for me is for those kids to be going off to run that game themselves with confidence and having fun with their friends, perhaps even building up a new friendship group 
and just getting more out of the hobby than being dependent on me because then I can go and run another kids game and, and I think, can go off. I think um I think seeing you run the game and, and how you do it will help them do that because uh, you know, like the the kids who come down who mentioned that you know I wish RGM was better like this. They're probably like you know, kids are very literal. They're going to go, they're going to read the rule book, they're going to try and run it as to the T as possible. Oh, you can't do this. The book says you can't. They're not going to quite get that the book is not meant to be getting in the way of the fun. So seeing that you, the way you play it is probably going to go a long distance in helping them to run the game. Yeah, and it's it's hard for them to get examples of that as well. Um, I know that Critical Rule, great show, and it's one of the like biggest known franchise ones. It's quite inappropriate times. It's not designed for a child audience. You go to my personal favourite, Acquisitions Incorporated. I love it, but there's a lot of jokes in there and phraseology and the occasional bit of language that are entirely inappropriate to the youth audience. So you've got these young people who would like to be consuming content to learn how to do their games better. But a lot of what's out there is entirely inappropriate for them to listen to or watch, which is hugely difficult if you're you know, looking for ideas or trying to pick up stylistically how you should be doing things. Very true. I mean, and even if you do go follow these people and, and try and get that, the, these are people who run a game for years and they're running for, you know, their friends. You know, like Critical Role is the big important one. Like, we're, we're still with that one. It's the one that everyone goes like, oh, you know, this is what D&D is like. It's everyone doing voices and it's this. A lot of people seem to forget in the Critical Role, uh, a lot of Critical Role, there is the, oh, what's the role for this again? Oh, what's this again? They're not taking it 100% seriously. They're not sitting there and going through the book and being like, this is the raw. It's a lot of it where, where Matt will go like, this is how I'm running it today. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, like, do remember that, that, you know, even the best of us don't remember the entire rule book. It's, uh, it's not possible. I mean, I think it's, I think there are people who do it. I think they're called rules lawyers. I think it's not possible for me. And I, I think it would detract from my enjoyment of the game if I was too obsessive. I like enough familiarity with the rules to bend them. Obviously, only in conjunction with role-playing games, not with any other thing in real life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, like, and, and that's the thing. Is like, I, you know, I don't think I can remember the rules for, for all of one role-playing game, and I run countless role-playing games. Um, and I don't do that knowing every single rule of every single role-playing game I run. I know just enough to get me going and just enough of the setting and the story to, to keep things going. And I know how, like, I've ran enough games to know how to make that entertaining. Or at least I like to think I do. People enjoy the games. Who are you to argue with the audience? Exactly. I mean, they keep coming back for, for more of my games, so I assume that they enjoy the games. Either that or they're just very lovingly entertaining me. Um, behave away. It's a success. Um, cool. So uh, the real big last question we have in terms of the kids D and D games before we buzz is um, the the problem players, the the disagreements at the tables. They're gonna come up. Um, how do you personally handle disagreements at the table? Do you find your methods of handling disagreements the same as with kids as you do with adults? Do you have any issues with trouble players as kid, like like kid trouble players, and and how to resolve that? 
kids do tend to want to have um, player versus player battles more often for some reason. I don't know why. So instead of, I want all of the gold in that bag, I'll fight you for it. And sometimes you go, are you sure you want to do this, guy? We've kind of got the story to get on with if anybody's interested in that as a possible alternative. Um, if it's something, a simple disagreement of what are we going to do, we go for a vote. If it's not to the player versus player type thing, if it's what should we do and it's a bit of a draw or we're not quite sure, we can roll a dice for it and that's what happens. Whoever gets highest, something happens. Sometimes you've just got to let the player versus player battle happen while they batter it out of each other to realise how purposeless it is. Um, but primarily now, due to the fact that's harder to manage online, I'm putting a sort of caveat in at the start of the session that this isn't how we're going to be playing games. It's not about player versus player conflicts, and I'll I'll call you out on it immediately online now because it really does grind up the mechanics of things online. But with adult players, the difference is I would actively encourage player versus player conflict in an adult game without hesitation or regret. Um, I think some fantastic stories can be played out of betrayal, whereas in a kid's game, I want them to be a team working together against a common enemy, whereas an adult's game, you can explore all sorts of themes, including one of the players actively against the rest of the party. That's fine by me. When you have these player versus player moments, do you do you intend to do like do you do do you play out the entire fight or do you do try and resolve it like with just a dice roll? Um, we we go we go with the rules because it gets quite messy um, if you try and look like you're showing favour to one side or another. But you can always chuck in a random intervention if you like. Right, you've had a bit of blown off steam time. We've had a couple of rounds of nonsense. Oh look. Our paladin, our cleric, has pulled a host which is just sort of like swept through and knocked everybody at their uh, backs on the floor and they're all sort of stunned and that sort of stops the scene. Oh, look, the player versus player battle has been resolved by the fact that a new enemy has marched up to attack you all. So you've, you've got it out of your system. Now there's something more interesting to fight than each other. Or if it's near the end of the adventure and the story's been finished off, you just let them get on with it because I think they just sometimes want to keep rolling dice when the story's ended and they're looking for a reason to do that. That's interesting because I tend to go the opposite approach. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I do, as I say, I don't really run games for kids, but even in adult games, I tend to do like, like the right, okay, I'm not going to go into a full combat, but let's just roll a dice to resolve this. You know, roll a. Tell me what you're trying to do. Roll a stat for it. You roll a. Try and do what you want to do. Whoever succeeds gets the gets to do the thing, and let's just move on and get off of this player versus player stuff. Um, your rule of you know no player versus player in the kids games. Do you do you see that as something you're going to continue once we're able to play around the table again together? Or yes, for one shots. Excellent. No, no for campaign. Um... No, that's fair. For campaign play, things build and develop, and there might be a storyline that requires something to happen once a group of players are more familiar with each other and we're comfortable to be doing that sort of thing. Or, you know, we need to bat someone off the corpse of the person that's just died and stop the thief robbing them because we're in the middle of the city centre. Let's give the thief a quick slap. That kind of thing's really okay once you've got that built up 
bond and comfort level. So campaign, I'll still be a lot more flexible. Uh, one shot, I think it makes for a much cleaner playing experience, especially when some of the players don't know each other. I think it can be tiresome for players who've turned up for story and are watching two people decide that they wanted to have a bit of a battle royale style situation. I think that comes a lot from the style of computer games that are around today. You get yeah. a lot more PvP as a sort of a product line. And that familiarity with characters just start attacking each other does very much come from a gaming culture at this current moment in time. Whereas my generation of role player were actually the old wargaming types where it's you're on one side, the other army's on the other side. Quite tactical, quite numbers heavy, but we have that we are a unit mentality for most of the time. And I think that's a, a generational difference in role players. And I know that's a strange thing to say, but I think no. that's my observation. No, I mean, I do. I mean, I don't tend to, in the games I run, have a lot of PvP. Not because I tend to stop it or anything. As I say, like, I have had it, and I'll do things, but I'll just say, like, right, we're going to resolve this in one, maybe two dice rolls. You know, you're going to roll to try and do the thing, they're going to do the roll to try and stop the thing. Whoever wins gets the, the, the way forward and try and resolve it and, and make it clear what's going to happen before dice are rolled. Um, and that's typically my go-to advice because it just means it's over with quickly. Like, it happens, you're not taking it away from the players completely as an option, but it is resolved quickly and you're not spending, like, a lot of time trying to resolve that. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think it's a thing that happens and is going to happen, but I do see that a lot more now with, with the gaming culture and stuff like that, that the idea that, like, uh, a game is played to win rather than the... You know, we're doing this together. I think a lot of the people I tend to role play with, they get that. Like, we are here, we're doing this together. There's no reason for us to backstab each other. We're all wanting to do the same thing. And it, it wasn't a thing with kids' games a few years ago either. Um, having run kids' games for, you know, 16 years now, it's, it wasn't a thing. And it is now. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder. I wonder how that. I'd love to know how that like properly developed. I'd love to look into that somehow. It's curious, and it, it's one of those mysteries that you'll never ever get to the bottom of. Because um, each person's made up of such a series of unique experiences, background, and culture. The thing that makes one player want to go PvP might be because they're the big brother in their house and like getting their own way. The other one might have, oh well this is how you play computer games. You know, there's there's all sorts of angles that might push people into the exact same result. Yeah. So um before we completely finish off, I know that was the last of the kids D D questions. Um and I know you're excited like me to move on to to the final bit of the, the podcast. Um, but we did have one question that does need answering. Um, we do have a thing when we put out on Discord to ask for questions for our guests. We do try and answer all of them. Um, now, uh, this this person called Alex, um, maybe you know of him. Uh, I don't know. Um, he wants to know from you, are you a tyrant for the kids' games you run, or is it just your adults? It's It's just the adults. You've got to keep them in line. Um, you know, they, they start making man's expectations. When am I going to get a level up? Are there some magic items coming up soon? 
and basically I, I like to make sure that they, they know their place because um, with adults you'll suddenly have them giving you a shopping list of things that their character would like to magically have by the next session because they've got access to money and money means they've got access to the books which means they can be making all sorts of requests so you've got to be careful with that so yes I'm, I'm more of a tyrant for my adult players than I am the kids so uh, Alex I hope that answers your question please if you are listening to this do come on the discord and let us know if that is a good enough answer to your question. And for everyone else who wonders what all that was about, um, and it wasn't quite clear with how we, we did that, Alex is one of Baz's players. Yes, we've, we've been, he is the actual chap who got me into 5e by wanting to try it out. So it, it's all his fault that I'm running D&D for kids because I wouldn't actually be playing 5e if it wasn't for him. Oh, excellent. So now we know who to blame for Yeah. You, it's right, excellent, cool. Alex, that is your responsibility now. Hope that Baz keeps doing a fantastic job. And uh, Baz, I, I really hope that at some point in the near future we can be running Kids D&D at the CAF uh, once more. It is one of my favourite things that we put on, even though it is something that I don't have a ton of involvement in, apart from being like, Baz, when are you free? And making sure there's space for it. Um, I think it's a fantastic thing that we do, uh, and I, I really do want to continue doing it. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's it's much better in person with a bit of cake and a cup of coffee. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So um, let's end the podcast the same way we end every episode of the podcast where we talk about our pick of the week. So each week on the podcast, we tend to do a pick of the week. It is something that has brought us joy. It doesn't have to be board game or role-playing game related or CAF related in any way, shape or form. It is just something that's brought us joy. And hopefully by sharing this with you, um, it can bring you some joy. And as um, as always, uh, our guest, um, Baz, has a pick of the week. Um, and I believe much like what happened with them where we said do a pick of the week and they came at me with uh, a couple of things to do on the pick of the week i think baz you have a couple of things that you want to do for your pick of the week yeah just to um with the boys being off school we've been reading a lot more poetry with them and listening to poetry online and um, michael rosen and benjamin zephaniah have been particular favorites and benjamin zephaniah has got some great really interesting concepts he plays around with so i've i've particularly been enjoying his poetry and i found a poem about money that he filmed in Newcastle next to the monument, which I thought was wonderful, considering that, you know, obviously Meeplepirk is from Newcastle, as am I for any of your listeners that don't recognise a regional accent. Um, so I've sent, obviously, the link to you so that they can enjoy um, that beautiful poem um, read by the man himself who wrote it, who will do it far better than me, and a link to a book of poetry that was published um, by a publishing house in Newcastle that he wrote. Yeah, a hundred percent. That will be in the link, uh, the link dump on the on the podcast thing. Um, I will have a look and see if maybe if, if if I can. Hopefully, I will stop talking at some moment, and the the poetry might play here. But in case not, go and do check out that link. And you know, even if you have, go check out the link for the book. Um, I also want to mention. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, shall I do my pick of the week and then you can do your second pick of the week and we've broken it up a little bit that way. Sounds great. What okay. would you like to recommend, Drew? Oh, my God. Right. So um, my pick of the week this week, uh, one of the things that has brought me joy this week, um, or the big thing that's brought me joy this week, is 
There is the Alex Ryder uh, series on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you've got access to Amazon Prime, I highly recommend it. Uh, Alex Ryder series of books um, were a big thing for me when I was growing up, and I read a whole bunch of them. I don't think I read them all because I think I grew up uh, out of them but by like the second to last book. And then I found out after watching this show, I went and looked into them, and apparently he wrote three books on after his final book. Um, but the Alex Ryder books were uh, the books where a um, kid called Alex Ryder becomes a spy for MI6. Um, they tried to do a movie version of this, of which I think it got two movies, uh, which were not very good, unfortunately. The Amazon Prime show, I have binge-watched all the whole first season of it. It is very good. It is very well acted. Um, I they did it really rather than doing another. He's a kid spy. Look at how amazing he is being a kid and a spy. Uh, no, this is a very good serious look at um, you know the idea of having a child spy. It all made sense. Uh, they went with this mo the plot from the second book, uh, which really worked well, uh, and they've done a lot of stuff in like building up the the whole. Uh, universe of, of Alex Ryder rather than just concentrating on just the one story you can kind of see where they're going to go um, like where where they could do more things moving on from this and I thought it was uh, a really good easy watch um, I really enjoyed it and if you've got Amazon Prime do check out Alex Ryder there is some really good even like just to, to say there are some really good action scenes so even if you just want to see some really nice uh, well-filmed action scenes and television show this is one that is great and i highly recommend it to anyone um who's listening if you don't have amazon prime um go check out the books because they are really good and that's my pick of the week and baz back for you to your second pick of the week um i drink um a substantial amount of coffee i think <gasps> what yeah, teacher who drinks coffee, if ever there was a stereotype. Um, and comes to my coffee shop. Yes, it, it does give the game away. Um, but my favourite coffee is from a place called Ronaldo's in the Lake District. And he does uh, subscriptions as well as just individual one-off postal ones that you can get sent through your door. Um And as far as I'm concerned, it's the best coffee I've ever had. And with being in lockdown i've also sent coffee to my father-in-law who he's he must be 70 um if i'm guessing his age right could be 71 who knows he probably does um and he after all those years of experience of drinking coffee also agrees that it's the best coffee he's ever had so i 100 percent recommend ronaldo's coffee uh and he's a really nice bloke as well Excellent. So uh, the link for that um, and everything that we've talked about will be in uh, the link. So go, do go and check that out. Um, Baz, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the Meeple Put Podcast. Um, it was an absolute pleasure getting to speak to you. It's been really, really great catching up. And I apologize if I've made too much comment about stuff in adult games because I know that wasn't the real focus, but I think there's not a massive difference between the two. And the last thing I'd like to say is if you're considering running a game for your kids, the worst thing that can happen is it goes wrong and you all have a laugh about it. 
I mean, yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I don't think you, you, sh you should apologize for that because I think um, a lot of people might be listening, maybe uh, people who run role-playing games and don't really know how to run for kids and hearing that it's not that much different from running for adults is going to be great for them to hear. Um, and also I think it's just going to help, you know, new people coming to this thinking like, oh God, what about these, oh, this thing that I have to do and that thing. I, th I think it's, it's well justified is what I'm trying to say. Thank you very much. But anyway, thank you very much for, for uh, joining us, Baz. Thank you very much uh, uh, to everyone out there who's listening to us uh, and joining in this week. Um, please remember to support us at ko-fi.com slash meeplepurk. Uh, there you'll get access to the Meeple uh, Perk community Discord server where you can come and chat with us. That's myself and Marie. And also, Baz is on the server and very active on it and happy to chat about role-playing games and all sorts on there. I'm totally happy to answer any questions about kids' games. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as a stupid question when it comes to this sort of thing. It's a fact that if you don't know it, you should ask. And I'm very, very happy if you want to just get a bit of reassurance about kids' games or have anything you'd like to know. Um, and not just that uh, we have Baz on there, we also have a, a whole lovely community on there. Um, and you can come and join us for all sorts of events. Uh, we do movie nights. We do... Um, we play games on there. We play role-playing games on there. We host all sorts of things on the server. So do come in and join in on that. Once again, that is ko-fi.com slash meeplepurk. Uh, the music for the intro and the outro were written and produced by Liam Slack. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, everybody. And remember, as always, to wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs>